0: What's going on, y'all? I'm Brad. I'm Jeremy. And uh, we've been talking about things concerning reconciliation for a long time now. 20 years now. I'm white. I'm black. And we thought if we talked together about it in podcast form, it might serve some people. So let's let's talk about it. Different, that's what we are. That's us. blinded by chasing heaven's brightest star. We're going towards him. We run with limps. If God you, God you God respond God. accordingly, you'll learn to hobble with till we find what glory be. What
1: glory at? No
0: pros or experts on this that's journey. We up. are just learning how she Jesus make makes art, art out of our life's debris. Uh, It's
1: the starting point, man. We. We in this. We in this together. All right, Brad. Let's get down to it. We got to, like, <laughs> unpack our relationship, our origin story, MCU, Black Panther. You know, there where, is. where is it coming from? Where, where are we going? Where did where, where we come from?
0: I feel like no matter what, Black Panther, you're going to fit Black Panther in. Every podcast. And so if you refer to me as Black Panther, I'm going to refer to you as Captain
1: America. That's fine. That's fine. He's handsome. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Okay, so so Beverly Tatum has this kind of stages of racial identity awareness. So, like, really influenced by her and kind of going from, you know, you're just a kid in America, yep. dominant culture, subdominant culture. doesn't matter kind of where you're coming from. You're, you're thrust into this culture and this environment that is racialized. And at some point, you become aware of that. Mm-hmm. And then you start this journey of an identity kind of based or, or centered around your racial identity. Um, and so I thought it would be interesting just to, to kind of hear again from you, like what that was like for you. These milestone moments of awareness, like when was the first time like, whoa, this is really different. Yeah. Like not everybody's like me and my family that might actually be based on color or race and and then go from there. And then uh, and then we could talk about a little bit later about where did like we meet and how did we get here with our relationship, so maybe first we you know we could each take a turn about yeah. our, own, our own journey
0: yeah yeah i I remember as a kid, so maybe first about my family, my mom and dad they are, they were devout Christians. I was a Christian before I was born uh, I have six siblings so four brothers two sisters uh my church was which was a missionary baptist church predominantly black pretty much all black was right across the street from my house so literally to get to church it was walk down the driveway go across the street and i was in church um and then we got a new building the church if you threw somewhere. the football too far you were it, in church actually <laughs> when we would play some people might know this game put back that is, you take the football and you just try to – it's two teams and you just try to throw the ball over them. Like you're yeah. just trying to put them back as far as you mm-hmm. can. If you catch the ball, you get to take three steps forward. If it goes over you, wherever you get the ball, that's where you get it. And we used to throw it across the street. So people would be like – have to like look across the street and go across the street to church and it's like that's where they were. <laughs> if it hits the church, then you lose. Yo, so okay. – uh, but the church was right there. So we were always in church uh, since I could remember. Um, and so, you know, my parents, when I say devout, they were always active in the church. Uh, before I went to school every day, he, uh, we would have Bible study, and we read from the King James Version. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which means you had to decipher the language and then also figure out the meaning of the Scripture. But you my had dad to pay would attention. Teach it. You had to pay attention. <laughs> um and so me, my brothers, and then even folk that we took to school with us that were needed a ride to school, we would we would do, we would have prayer and we would have Bible study um, before uh, basically every day of the week. So being in church that much, uh, uh, being in scripture that much, I just grew up hearing the word of God from my dad and from my uncle who was a pastor of my church. Uh, so I grew up. Uh, so the interesting thing is my world was black and latino so my best friend was a latino guy who when my church moved buildings our church was right across the street from his house so i grew up in a african-american culture um never thought about identity because that's who we were mm-hmm. uh, and then when i was with my latino friend it was it felt normal uh because i i knew him we talked we were best friends like brothers uh, you know, it was normal to go in his house, and you knew you kissed mom on the cheek, you kiss grandma on the cheek if she's there, you saying hey to everybody. It's just how I grew up. Um, my first uh, incident that that made me think, okay, something is off here. Me and my brother had to be, my brother that's closest to me is about a year older. We were we were avid football card collectors. So we went to this flea market, uh, and we found a stand, a guy who had football cards, and he had a bunch of them all in these little plastic containers. And so we're just trying to figure – we had collected cars enough that we knew what was the good brand of cars to get and what was like, yeah, yeah. man, you're not going to get Trash. anything for this. Trash. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just looking through. And so my brother is, is sitting down. Um, like on his butt, like sitting down on the ground, looking through a container. I'm looking through the case, like the glass case that's um, uh, that has a number of like like really the high price yeah, cards. Yeah, the ones that you protect. You got them there and the you protectors. Go. So and, I'm yeah. looking at that. He's going through the box of packs of cards. He's just looking, trying to look for the good packs. Um, and the guy who is white starts yelling mm-hmm. at him. Uh, he starts saying, I know what you're doing. You're trying to steal cards. In my mind, even as a little kid, I'm thinking, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because my brother is sitting on his butt. If he was trying to steal, he would be in a running position, but
1: he's sitting <laughs> on his butt. This is not conducive to th- yeah, like, thievery. And we've never
0: mm-hmm. stole. We've always bought cards. So he's <clears throat> on his, we were more scared of our parents. Like, we got... Caught yeah. with something or accused it's like they the ones who's gonna mm-hmm. get at us but he yells at my brother my brother just is terrified and he tells him like I know what you're trying to do get out of here and so my brother pops up and just runs mm-hmm. and I'm there stunned and he looks at me he's like I don't want your your business either you get out of here too and I just walk away kind of slowly not understanding what happened mm-hmm. um, So that was my first, as a kid, around, had to be maybe 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. Um, That was my first interaction with, like, racist undertone, um, like a racist undertone interaction with somebody. I didn't know what it was. I just knew something was wrong with that. Um, Because the thing was, my parents, there were these white women. uh, Let's see if I can remember. Miss Faith, Miss Marcy, and Miss Sharon. Um, mm-hmm. They did vacation Bible school with my mom out mm-hmm. of our house. Um, they, gave my, they gave my mom, uh, like, they gave us, like, cars that they wanted just, like, because they were transitioning cars. They gave, so they gave, they, they were, like, really good friends. Okay. Um, and so it was, I had this dynamic of where I grew up in a predominantly black, African American setting, but my mom, we had these close friends that were almost like aunties, these white women, but then also had this interaction with this guy. And then a number of other interactions as I grew up. Uh, so that was my first interaction with uh, a racially charged. Uh, that was my first racially charged incident. Um, when I got into high school, that might have been where things really switched up. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I got I realized, man, why aren't there more black kids in advanced courses? Okay, you were noticing uh, that. I was in advanced <coughs> courses and I was like one of two, the only black male. Mm-hmm. Uh and as I interacted with white guys and white girls, I'm like this they just live in a different life than me. This is mm-hmm. different. Um uh, and
1: and so because, I, because you were friends with them or because like you just you just overhear stuff and you're like, "Wait." No, I was friends with them. So mm-hmm. I was in the same mm-hmm. classes. Yeah. So I was in these classes
0: and I was friends with This group of white folk, people knew me. And then I played sports, and I came from a neighborhood that was predominantly black and Latino. And so I was also good friends with a lot of folk who were black and Latino. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was two different worlds. Never did those worlds intersect. Right, right. Unless we were, like, at a football game and because they played on the same team. But Mm -hmm. as far as friendship, deep friendship, um, there wasn't a lot of intersection. But I found myself in both of these places. And I realized, man, it's just different. These two worlds are different. Um, but I got used to
1: switching in between worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and I would... W- in that time, did you have to like start code switching, that that type of phenomenon? Or was that like, nah, you didn't really have to do that at high school? In high school, you never think you're code switching. Right. But of course, I, I, mm-hmm. I think...
0: I, I recognize that... You're just going
1: with the flow and... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but
0: there there is some code switching. The 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 most obvious one is how you talk. Like mm-hmm. you just don't talk the same way when mm-hmm. you're with your white friends as when you're with yeah. your black friends. Mm-hmm. I had a brother who went to a uh, uh, a private school, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh man, we be code switching seriously because he 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 would get on the phone with so many friends. and We was like, dude, who are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> like who are you? Like you are not no surfer dude from California but you sound like one right now. Oh wow, okay. Um but you know, it was just part of the it was just part of mm-hmm. who we were. Uh you don't think about code switching and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until college that I started really thinking about my ethnic journey. I got involved with uh campus manager in varsity and that was something that they really pushed. Um, and so I had to start thinking really deeply about that stuff. And then I also got into relationship with more than just African American folk. I was in relationship with some African people who were African national, like their parents came mm-hmm. over from Africa. People who came out, who were from the Caribbean, um, and that made me think about my journey a little bit more. So when I got involved with this ministry, that's when I, I think I got uh intentional one-on-one discipleship so there was Mm -hmm. a lot of discipleship that happened when i grew up i knew the word i knew scripture uh when i got to college that was the first time somebody did one-on-one discipleship and it was a white man who did it a guy named jason uh he was my staff worker uh and you know i was part of this 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 student this this organization that really pushed student-led uh uh mission on campus and mm-hmm. so uh it was tough I, I got involved because one of my friends who were black uh, and my best friend now he got me involved because he was involved and then this guy jason started discipling me and that meant we would have lunch i would i would eat way too much mm-hmm. and we would have bible study with these other guys um and we would try to apply it um and i didn't know what was i i knew it was different uh he did some things that were just awkward. So uh one day he was like, Man, Brad, I wanna, I wanna uh like what do you do after we have Bible stay? I wanna spend some more time with you. I was like, well, okay, if you if that's what you want to do. I was <laughs> like, I usually just go to my dorm. He was like, Is it a basketball court? I was like, Yeah, it's a basketball court over there. He's like, let's go play. I was like, you sure, because I play ball. Yeah, 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 you do I looked at, I was like, you don't. You look like you could throw the ball up, but I don't know if he could play. That's in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you out there. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get changed. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you out there. I go get changed. I come back in my gear. Like, I'm ready to play basketball. Yeah. He's still in his jeans, collar shirt, and Doc Martens. Yeah. Uh, so I murdered him it, it, that yeah, time, If, if that you don't
1: day. know Jason, that, that definitely <laughs> back in the day – Classic. If he hears this, he's going to be like, yep, I did." he's that. going to try to, he might try to like. He might still have those Doc Martens. He might he might, uh...
0: he might. he <laughs> might. He might. He might try to paint another story, but he got murdered that day. <laughs> that day on the <laughs> basketball court. But I'm like, what it did for me was, this was a different kind of discipleship, a different kind of relationship building. I wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. But it did build bonds. Like, it built a bond between me and him. And when I got involved with leadership, and I would express, like, hey, we need more black men or more black women, and he would say, okay, cool, that's great. Um, and we would have these discussions about what it takes to reach cross cultures. And he mm-hmm. would, and maybe he was a, it was the first time in a predominantly white organization I heard somebody say, like, it's okay for you to just concentrate on reaching black folk.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so he gave you that freedom, he said, yeah.
0: look, if you got a choice between black or white like you see a group of people, like go after the black guy or the black woman like like mm-hmm. it's okay to yeah. to reach them yeah, if something to me just like i, I some of me just said, okay, yes, mm-hmm. because we were so underrepresented, yeah, um, and I wanted them to have the same access to the same discipleship. and uh and so uh, I did that. Uh, and I built a really good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I built relationship with other students, just my, my, my journey and start, you know, you start reading, I'm in college. So like a lot of my, uh, the foundations of my faith are being solidified in this place. And so as mm-hmm. I, in relationship with him and in relationship with friends of different ethnicities, like uh, my, the foundations of my ethnic identity, um, started being formed, uh, and I would say right maybe when there was like really deep trust, me with me and this this white staff worker, um, uh, there was a there was a switch that uh, he was leaving that campus., yep. and you were coming in. Oh yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and there was, there's was some significant things that happened then, but I, I'll, I'll stop right there and let you tell. Your like your <laughs> origin story, because I think w- when we meet, mm-hmm. uh, I think everything I say is really important to hear. That that I grew up mm-hmm. in a predominantly black neighborhood, uh, of course, in a black family, and, and like so, I have this black missionary Baptist theology, mm-hmm. and that that carries a lot of implications. That's probably not true about how I grew up. Uh, the most, the biggest thing is that God and how he operates in the world like there was a black identity associated with that so even as i got discipled by this white man i still carried that um
1: you never thought jesus was white never thought that wasn't like like a thing no (laughs) it's like i
0: i I saw the pictures and of course that's like known it's like yeah they they put white jesus up but that ain't jesus like that's known right um uh from from where where i'm from and so i grew up with that um and it's good is necessary to say, this idea of evangelicals, popular church pastors and deeds. I had no idea. Like, I just knew God, right, right, and that He operates in the church. Church is good, mm-hmm. um, and then all the scripture and, and truths about God that my parents raised me in. Firm like foundation. That, that's that's what's yeah. in me. Mm-hmm. I did the Christian culture, yeah, in the the nation. I I had no idea. About that, and that was being formed. Also, I started being enlightened and informed when I was in college, uh, and of course, uh, deep discipleship with Jason, and mm-hmm. then the transition that happened and then I messed to it your up. leadership. But well, we'll get to that.
1: We'll get so to that. We'll come well, back to that. Mess it all up. <laughs> um, and thanks for sharing all that. Um, I think for me, the uh, I remember my first racialized interaction was in kindergarten and mm. I think it, it's a bit ironic because, um, so I did this, this very common thing where you generalize. So there's a black student and, and this is like when I'm in kindergarten and, um, I just remember being like, man, I don't like the way this dude smells, mm. you know? And I guess black people smell like this. So I don't like black people. I don't like the way they smell or whatever. I basically, I didn't like his lotion cause I didn't understand he was wearing lotion you know didn't you didn't have a concept of lotion didn't have a, I mean, you know whatever i'm six or seven <laughs> or something like that so and and this is embarrassing because you know ironically i didn't i was not self-aware that when it rained and i got wet that there was a different there's a um, different smell different smell hey associated with my own person uh now that i have little boys i'm very well aware of that <laughs> and i'm like oh y'all are nasty you smell like a wet dog and <laughs> you're disgusting human being And so the irony is just very thick in that first interaction, but it was a, there was a generalization that I was making because of kind of one encounter, um, with a whole lot of ignorance wrapped up, Mm. but there was no counter narrative to that. So it's like, you're just forming the world. You're trying to make sense of the world. This is what kids do, but there was nothing, nothing against that. So it, it, it's allowed to exist. Yep. You know, um, and you kind of go through middle school, and um, I remember um, one of the reasons uh, we went uh, to a, a private school, a private Christian school that was associated with this Lutheran church I grew up in, was because the middle school was uh, in the hood, you know, so a way to kind of avoid putting me into that environment. And of course, I'm, I'm not really aware of that until later. Like, mm-hmm. wait, okay, I'm, I'm adding two plus two all of a sudden, 10 years later, like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. You know, or that's at least part of what happened. You know, Um, it's a factor. So, okay, so go to this all-white school, private Christian school um, for just a couple years, and then I go to Plant City. You know, I move out to the country. I move into Dover. Uh, Dover's full of migrant workers. Um, Dover's like the slums of Plant City. It's a very kind of poor rural area. And I start going to school. With those kids, and that that was an education, because mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, the whole world is coming together in these schools. Um, and then when I when we transitioned to high school, that's where the race riots happened. Now, I'm talking about for real race riots, like we're gonna kill these n words type of stuff. That's what these boys are saying. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I just remember my first year near the end of the year. All of a sudden, like just uh, all this explosion of noise, and I just see a chair fly up into the air, mm. and I mean, just chairs, and everybody's just going at it, you know. And it wasn't everybody was going after everybody; it was white folks going after non-white folks, and yeah. I was just like, and I wasn't, I didn't participate in that, but I just was like, whoa, something, something's really different in this world. And something's wrong with it. But I again, I, there's no language to it. There's no like, how do I even understand this or explain this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then of course, all the, all the white folks I'm running with are, you know, there's all this uh, justification for it, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, typical Southern racist stuff. So <laughs> you're just like, this is what kind of you're hearing from one ear. But you're also in my, in my spirit, and I wasn't really a follower of Jesus at that point, but I was just like, man, something's, something's wrong with this, but I don't know how to explain it. I don't, again, like, you know, I'm making generalizations. People are making generalizations. I have no idea what to make of it. And, and p- part of my education, though, a counter-narrative to, to that, like, reality that was around me, the, the false narratives of, like, people and their value and who they are, was this this album from Arrested Development? This hip hop band, Arrested Development. It was one of my exposures of like pro black, positive black, mm-hmm. pro Africa, and I remember listening to that because it, there was a couple of songs that were popular, yeah. Mr. Wendell, Mr. Wendell, yeah, Mr. Wendell, Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee, and Mama's I love it. Always
0: them. on stage. Oh, mama, <laughs> mama.
1: It, it, and I love that album, and and I remember getting it, and I had you know typical like kind of middle school, high schooler. Um, I forget exactly when, when I got exposed to it, but uh, I, I just had this makeshift sound system in my room where I just like pieced together like 1970s sound equipment that I got wow. for free. Like you double go. double deck you know, tape deck And I had like I think eight speakers and that room would just like thump mm. and it just filled, it filled the whole thing with noise. And I just remember listening to that album and it was interesting because I, I would love I would, Tennessee came home I was like man, that's incredible. And then the next song would come on. I'm like, I don't understand this song. (laughs) He's talking about the motherland. He's talking like, what is he, what is this dude talking about? It Mm. seems deep. It seems profound. It seems like, uh, like I should listen to this voice. I just remember having those experiences and like just playing over and over again and just being like, I, all I know is I don't get it. (laughs) So they, they, and it's, I just realized there's a world out here. Yep. In the black community that is rich with culture and experience and wisdom, and I have no idea. The like interesting a, thing
0: about that. One I think that thing that I think people should know. It's funny, while you were putting that, together that sound system, and what I what I know about your life is mm-hmm. country white boys from your area yeah. liked having systems. Yes, they did. And bumping hip hop. That's right. It's so funny because so I'm like, funny. we had systems, yeah. In hip hop, this is a different person, different looking car, different car. But it was both thumping, Jack, with a jacked up four x four yeah. truck, man. See, In no, the, no, it's like you know, singing Bone <laughs>
1: Thugs and Harmony, you know, boom, boom,
0: boom. It's interesting.
1: <laughs> it's like the same
0: music, same, same. systems. The but chronic different came experience. out. The chronic
1: dropped. You know, so everybody, Did. all the white dudes I knew had, wow, you know, Snoop, and, wow. And while trade. you was
0: listening to Arrested Development, yeah, I'm pretty sure now we were sneaking it because my parents would not let that be in the house. Okay. So okay. when they were away, though, there were dance parties. Okay. Because it, that was happening, and Arrested Development was one of those albums where we were just like, yeah, into it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tribe Called Quest. It, so there, there was just this renaissance in the music. I don't know if it was a renaissance, but it was just this explosion of music that exposed me. um you know, And then, and then there's the gangster rap, which nec- I, I wouldn't necessarily count as positive. I think it was development and evolution of, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, black American expression. But it, you know, but the, the counter narratives of, like, not everybody's running around robbing, stealing, you know, raping. All that, All those narratives that come from, like, racist Southern yep. kind of, like, here's how we need to define reality so that we can justify oppressing so we could justify throwing chairs at black men in high school you know Mm. so so to be exposed to that and i just remember the the confusion like man i don't know how to put all this together um because again there's no theology there there's you know there there's like a i would go to church services in lutheran church there's latin still in the service Mm. and so they definitely were not like engaging contemporary cultural like crisis (laughs) <laughs> it was like, should we have Latin or not? You know, that was like where they were at. Um, so there was there was no there was no guidance there. Um, and and I I tell you what, man, like I didn't I didn't know to break from the the status quo, like you know reality narrative um, from my people from my culture until I became a follower of Jesus. It was really that. Mm that stimulated like I don't belong to myself anymore and it seems like Jesus defines the world differently he defines humanity differently He defines grace differently he has a cross like all that stuff all of a sudden like connected and made sense for me like Mm. oh this makes more sense this new heaven new earth and again I was very young in Jesus I, I was just beginning to read the scriptures but it started making some of those connections like like I can't I can't just passively be okay yeah. with these false things. Like it, it, it just, it, to me, it just clicked. Like, okay, that tension that existed since middle school, mm-hmm. that I was like straddling the fence between almost two worlds, you know? And, you know, so it wasn't like this progressive, I I went to some liberal progressive class. I, I read the Bible, you know, and all of a sudden made connections to what I think God was actually knocking on the door of my heart saying like, hey there, there's repentance that is needed mm. here you know there's a there's a, a deception that's happening that you need to be awakened to and you need to like stop embracing and need actually need to turn away from and that that was like in that that college world so that you know when it was when we we had the opportunity to move into a predominantly black neighborhood mm. you know as a college student it just made sense. It was like, yes, you know, John Perkins, you know, the three R's, you know, redistribution of mm. wealth, reconciliation across racial and cultural lines, you know, and relocation yeah. to me, it just was like that, that makes sense. That corresponds with, I think is reality, yeah. you know, not this other thing, you know, this other segregated, uh, bigoted way of, of being and, and even believing in Jesus seemed to like be broken. And this other thing just seemed to make sense to me, so it really resonated. So those were big milestones in, in my life to then live in that neighborhood, not know anything, you know. And we, as far as I know, we were the only. There was only one other white dude within a mile radius, hmm. at least a mile radius. It might have been a little bit more, at least a mile radius, who lived in the neighborhood. Um, so we were like freaks. So as a white man, it was like you obviously just. Like, who, who are you? Why are you here? And, and then people would just take our cars and stuff, you know, like (laughs) it's welcome to the neighborhood. I'm going to borrow your car for a couple of days, you know? Um, and and it's like processing all of that. Like, okay, how do I interpret that? Do I interpret that through what lens do I interpret that through? You know, do I, you know, do I go back to my rural country racist lens and say, how do I interpret some of these interactions, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, or do I need to press into what God is doing and find new lenses and new ears to listen and to hear? And and sometimes it wasn't exactly clear. Like, you know, Miss Mary's next door, and she's having a party at 4 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, it is. And And it, it's on, and her dog's trying to, you know, jump over the fence and kill us. <laughs> and it's like, if I punch this dog, am I racist? You know? And it's, it, that sounds kind of silly, but it's like, that's some of the wrestling matches where it's like, I really want to punch this dog in the mouth. If I was in plant city and some dog just jumped up on me, I I might kill it or I'm definitely going to punch it or I might grab an object and knock it upside its head. But if I do that here, you know, what does that mean? And should I do it here? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then Miss Mary comes out and starts cussing at us because we're yelling at her dog. And it's like, Oh man, I have no, so that was like a crucible moment where you're going, I don't, I don't actually know what's happening, mm-hmm. but I know I'm here and I don't know if Miss Mary's right or wrong, you know, she might be wrong, but I don't know if she's right or wrong for yelling at us, for having her dog jump up on us and trying to bite us and stuff, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. And so, so that, that may be like, um, again, I don't, I don't know, man, like that, that place of going. I don't, I don't really know. Like, it's almost like a healthy doubt, a healthy skepticism. Like I want to interpret this situation, this interaction in a particular way or light, but I'm trying to repent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if this is good or bad. And even looking back on it, you know I, I don't know. maybe I, maybe I misinterpreted it quite a bit. Mm. You know I, I don't know. Um, I, I remember also very, very, uh, we did a tutoring program. And we we didn't come in the neighborhood trying to change the neighborhood or trying to fix the neighborhood, but we we were trying to find ways to like participate and try to find ways to like love love some kids and some folks, and so um, we did do a tutoring program, um, and and just trying to like walk with these kids and homework club type of stuff, right? And they had a rule to not, uh, you know, be alone with the kids, right? Yeah. Um, but it was like getting ready to rain, and there was this, young, you know, young girl who was, um you know, uh, needed to walk home and she was kind of like late and her mom didn't come get her. So I was like, I'll just take you home. You know, I'll just like serve and, you know, and I'm just this college dude. I'm like 19 years old, 20 years old or whatever. I got my truck, oh, right? No. I got my truck and I'm rolling up into the projects, into the housing authority and I'm rolling up and, and dropping this little girl off. And, uh, yeah, the mom called the cops on me the cops came to my house and was like, we need to interview you, you know, because, like, you you were alone with this girl. And, like, and I it had is. no idea of, like, the history of, like, white men with black women yeah. and, like, molestation and rape. I had no idea of that history. And I'm just like, whoa, what is happening right now, man? Because <laughs> people seem to be very mad at me. Yeah. And I was just trying to help. Mm-hmm. So even in the confusion of that, going, man, like, you know, should I even help anymore? Is my help bad? You know, and there's just the, the turmoil of that. Like, man, I'm trying to help. And it's, it feels like I'm getting rejected. But, of course, I'm, getting, I'm interpreting it that way because I don't even know the history of, like, 400 years sure. of, of rape, right? Mm-hmm. That's been happening. So I'm like, oh, no, definitely. Now that I have two girls, I'm like, uh, I'm lucky I didn't get shot. No, yeah, no. you
0: rolling into the projects as a white stranger? Come on, man, stranger. It's like yeah. no, so stupid. in my neighborhood when I was young, a white dude either it, it, it's a few things. A white dude was either there for drugs, yep, or just like so poor and down and out that mm-hmm. that's where he had to be. And mm-hmm. who knows what yeah. he would do. Other than that, is like usually you know, white people come and try to like drive out the people yeah, of color yeah, try yep. or they go away from the people of color and drive property taxes down. It's like all this stuff, yep. I, it, a white face coming in the neighborhood was
1: always suspect. It's like, yes. So, ooh, so I see that happening? now. So I still live in that same neighborhood. And when I see a white, I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> right. Like I still, I didn't have that reaction now, but early on, I was a major like milestone development. Like, like I'm always white. Yep. And there's a history to that. And, irregardless of my motivations and mm-hmm. my own history and my own righteousness or my own redemption or re- repentance, it doesn't matter. Like I have to account for that yep. because I'm actually the most dangerous person in the world, mm. you know? And like, that's like one of those like clicking moments. Yeah, that's, and
0: that's tough, man. That's tough to, you yeah. gotta, you gotta dig into that a little bit talking about being the most dangerous person in the world Yeah, uh, because how, how is it? What does that mean
1: for folk, 'Cause
0: yeah. I think most people most white folk would think, No, that doesn't make any sense, that's not true.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just empirical I'm evidence. Um
0: they would say I'm not dangerous. <laughs> right. So how can I be like I don't right. do anything bad, I'm not raping, I'm not right. I'm right. not I'm not looking at black women as a sexual object only. I'm right. not you know, I don't say racist thing, how can I be the most dangerous person, and, you know, you went to the hood, so you know where the dangerous people are like yeah, you know, what What do you mean by you are the most dangerous?
1: Man, it's just the evidence. It's just you stack up the evidence. Like what have, what has white people a collective, as a collective, done against people of color in the world? You know, so not even just talking about American history, but global history, Mm -hmm. as far as like traveling, enslaving, imprisoning, you know, setting up systems of oppression. It's like, just even, we're disproportionate the molesters. Mm. we disproportionately molest kids so if I show up to a playground you know those moms better watch out for me Mm. you know because if I'm a stranger the likelihood the percentage likelihood of me being the dangerous person in that playground is very high you know especially if I'm not there with kids or not there with another woman you know Mm. if I'm just by myself and I show up to a park you know I I think it's natural I think everybody's like who is this dude why does he not have any kids? <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. other woman, you know. And so, so you extend that out to the 400 years of racial injustice that's happened in this country, with, from, I mean, redlining Supreme Court decisions, mm-hmm. lynchings, you know, um, the whatever, all the, all the criminal justice system. Uh, and then just growing up in Plant City, realizing no, man, these, these dudes I grew up with. Mm. They're dangerous to people of color. Like, you put them in the right situation, yeah. they're ready to pop off. And, yeah. they th- and they have a narrative to justify it, right? Mm. So, like, that's probably the most dangerous thing. It's not like they're—I th- I, I mean, my theology, I think we're all evil. So, um, so I think we're all—we we all started from the evil spot. But yeah. when you have a narrative to justify that evil, mm. now you're a Nazi, mm. you know? And Even then, a false narrative. The, yeah, you got a false narrative to describe, to justify why we're going to gas all these Jews. Mm. And you could have very normal people all of a sudden becoming like super evil, gasoline yep. evil. And so all of a sudden you go, th- that's the history, that's the context, that's what's happening in folks' lives all the time. You know, like every person of color I know has racialized incidences. Yes. You know, has moments where it's like, this is, it's not even ambiguous. Everybody has this ambiguous, like maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But then there's the overt, like this is just a straight up, that dude called me, to, like mm-hmm. that. there's no doubt about it. That dude was going crazy, you yeah. know? So they're holding that in their heart and in their bodies and in their minds. And then I rolled up as a stranger. Mm-hmm. There's no other way for them to interpret that. So I have to understand that that's, when I go into a situation, into a conversation, you know, not as a woe is me, but as a way of like saying, you know, me and my people, this is like the Nehemiah repentance, like me and my people have sinned. And part of repentance is go well, to acknowledge, like we have sinned, we, have, we, we are a danger to other people groups, you know, both here in America, but also globally. And I think part of repentance is owning that fact Again, not as, like, I don't own it as, like, a woe is me, you should kick me, you know, like a dog Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, not self-abusive, but, like, true repentance of saying, this is is true of me and my people, and I have to own that. And I can't just, like, expect somebody to not uh, look at me suspiciously because it's safer for them to look at me that way. Mm. (laughs) Historically, it's safer for them to go... Who is this dude what's he about why is he near this young girl you know all that type of stuff um, so those are massive kind of moments for me um, in, in our uh, in my, my development um, and of course coming on staff within a varsity, that's only accelerated that learning process because now you're, you're having to lead students of color you're having to minister to them you're having to like do Bible studies with them and of course um, you know, you're, you're realizing you still don't know very much. <laughs> I see in a part one, go ahead and make sure you check out the feed for part two.